Assalamu alaikum May the peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all Welcome to the Drive Time Show here on The Voice of Islam You are listening to me Fahim and my brother Usman Anjum And we'll be with you for the next two hours discussing two riveting topics That I'm sure will get the phone lines browsing, right? Um, today, today we are um, starting the conversation off with um, food And specifically we'll be discussing the wastage of food and sharing some tips and tricks discussing with guests from NGOs working to help solve this issue so if you have any sort of um, anything to say really uh, on the topic of food waste uh, then give us a call on 0208-687-7878 or you can get in touch with us on social media as well Um, in the second hour of the show we'll be discussing we'll be discussing a topic that we can all learn from and start applying from today that is that is the that is the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him kindness to all and we'll be discussing how his exemplary behavior uh, can inspire us all to kindness how are you doing today yaswan i'm doing good how are you um it's a pleasure to join you again for this show um i think two important topics uh, maybe not stressed upon enough or maybe not seen as an obligation even from the religious side but it, in actual matter of fact this is a part of the teaching of Islam it's so uh, encompassing and so complete that even these aspects are all covered yeah. and we've been taught in this regard as well even for example in terms of food wastage we have the verse um, in chapter 7 verse 32 which is O children of Adam look at your adornment at every time and place of worship and eat and drink but do not but exceed not the bounds surely he does not love those who exceed the bounds and again here Islam is guiding the believers to live their life in moderation regardless of what they are intending to do yeah. um, and if Allah has uh, blessed someone with abundance it's not as if they have to live in a, like in a, in a poor state or in a miserly state that's, a, that's an important thing as well sometimes yeah. people think oh I, you know if you have the blessing you, you, you're allowed to use it as well it's just about extravagant not to yeah, cause, uh, be wasteful people, people go to either or extreme right they, they decide to be like okay no no Islam says not to waste at the same you know like but it's, it's always the middle way and I think that that's such a such a s- simple but so profound way of looking at everything if you just head for the middle way don't go into because the thing is di- too much of a good thing is a bad thing right mm. there's that saying as well so I think that that's where you can truly understand that simple guidance can be applied to so many different things in life especially as you mentioned, food waste. I think right? the thing is, right, Islam is a way of living. Islam is a way of life for every second, you know, every minute. It's not a thing of, you know, you do certain acts in certain times. No, every single action of yours should be in line uh, with God's uh, commands, with the commands of the Prophet to gain God's, uh, uh, to gain God's pleasure. So there's a thing there where if every action of yours is in line with those teachings, then every action of yours will become a source of blessings. And even in in the physical realm as well, if, if for example, if someone eats too much, they'll gain weight. Yeah. If they're too little, they'll, they'll suffer from deficiencies. Mm. Whereas if they eat at the exact moderation, that, at the exact amount they need, mm. which is in moderation, it is not too much and not too little, yeah. then they will see the blessings from it. 
Yeah, and I think there's uh, also a bit of patience to the, to the matter as well, right? The thing is, is that um, sometimes you can find yourself too so hungry that you don't really think about are you actually full or are you just eating for the sake of feeling or I mean, you I'm sure you've been in that situation where um I know I definitely have is um where it's like someone asks me if I'm hungry and I'm just like oh, I could eat or like you know like depends my, on the food <laughs> exactly but it's like kind of like you're like my mind says I should eat something or like this like different habits mm-hmm. that that are kind of associated with eating um so but it's actually worth taking that step for a minute like okay am i going to overeat by eating this um i think that that's something really important right and you know what it is it's for it's just it has to be in moderation that's the main thing i'm trying to stress is because even for example in um a narration of the holy prophet peace be upon him he, he states that you know a third of your uh sort of your your stomach should be full of water hmm. a third should be full of food and a third should be empty and that's the yeah. perfect way of you not gaining weight and actually being healthy and and so it's just these things when when you especially when you study the scientific aspect and yeah. sort of you would say the worldly realm or the worldly side of this yeah. and then you compare it and you're like well the wisdom that was there 1400 yeah. years ago is definitely from a, a honestly like there's so many podcasts that i listen to where like the leading scientists or the technological expert um or the data analyst is is telling uh, us advice that is basically already in the Quran mm. <laughs> from for so long ago, and it just re like reinforces my faith in because you just sort of think that like that wisdom has been there. And you know, speaking of the um, you said the saying of the Prophet um, yeah. peace be upon him is um. He, I think in the beginning of it, it says uh, a man uh, only needs a couple of bites to have a straight spine, right? And um, I think that that's that's where it kind of like says that you don't need to overindulge, right? And that advice of that the the, the third, the third, the third, I think is is really important there, right? Yes. And yeah, so why are we talking about this today? Because uh, approximately nine point five. Uh, two million tons of food is wasted in the UK every year. Like, let's take that in for a second. That's nine point five two million tons of food is wasted just in the UK every year. And the thing is, that comes into being ungrateful when you have something and you're in comfort, and then you're ungrateful to the blessings of God. And God states in the in in the Holy Quran that you know la in shakartum la zidanakum. But if you're grateful, He'll bestow you more. He'll He'll increase you. So um, there again, we're taught that if you're not if you're grateful, you'll get more. But what's happening here is we're ungrateful. And uh, even for example, in the, the narration, another narration of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, it's yeah. that you should finish your food because it could be that in the last morsel there's the blessings. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Like, I think that it's so easy um, to waste as well because of the abundance, especially in a country like this. But then, when you think about, like, you know, what we're seeing in the world, like, um, you know, I was looking at um, uh, social media posts where you know it asked the question. I think it was uh, a charity called Humanity First, where I saw the post: um, Would you wait in line four hours for water? 
and sometimes I think you know what it's so easy for us that we become I don't know um, what's the word like desensitized to how much we wait and then uh, it was actually on a previous um, uh, episode where I was discussing with uh, Raheel uh, brother Raheel, um he mentioned that the the prophet uh, of Islam, um, peace and blessings of God be upon him, uh, used to do vazu ablution uh, with just a cup of water at times, and um, like that just made me think how much you know how we just leave the tap running and mm. this this all these things add up, and that's what we've kind of that's why we brought up this uh, topic today because you know as as we mentioned 9.52 million tons of food wasted in this country alone every year and, and it's not even that you know it's just the the, the less fortunate countries that are mm-hmm. suffering but even in the UK the amount of food which is given in in food banks and it's not really enough to feed families mm. so there are people struggling yeah. so it's not just a thing of oh yes I mean, of course, we should care for the others as well, but it's something which is actually in our homeland, so it's an issue, an issue here as well. Um, yeah. I mean, the amount of food wasted is like enough to feed thirty million people, according to some sources, mm. and and there are actually eight point four million people in the UK who live in poverty. Eight point four million. See, and when when you think about these statistics, it's so easy to just like. Um just forget about it but the thing is is that every little bit helps and you know sometimes I think um, why is it that uh, or like I remember when I was younger and my mum would say to me that hey don't waste that food right and um, there's children starving in other parts of the world that's what mm-hmm. my mum used to say to me and I used to as a very uh, annoying child um, he used to say things like okay then let's send it to them right <laughs> and it's only now that I've grown up to understand that it's just like it's not as simple as that. It's not, and and we are we do have an abundance. That does not mean that we need to waste, and that does not mean that we need to eat in abundance. It's, it's ultimately better for us as well. If approximately four hundred and seventy million is spent on food that's wasted every year. Four hundred and seventy pounds per year. Yeah, Think million of, pounds. Yeah. Million, wow, that's think about what we could be doing with that money, right? Um, and I, I'm, I'm surprised, but I think that um, it's just when you look at these figures, I don't know. I I constantly think that it's it's just um, not something that <laughs> we need some tips and tricks, and I think that that is a great uh, indication to go to our first guest um, of today. Uh, who is uh, Sophie Tebbets. Um She is the CEO of Food Cycle, a charity that is working to f- reduce food poverty, loneliness and food waste. With that small introduction, uh, welcome to the Drive Time Show, Sophie. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Thank you for your time today. Um, we wanted to uh, kick things off and ask you, you know, can you explain how you use leftover food produce to provide meals for those in need because it's such an interesting thing and and, you know why haven't we done it sooner 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So essentially what we do is we run community kitchens up and down England and Wales. And what we take is we take uh, food that is perfectly good to eat, um, but would have otherwise been thrown in the bin. So usually that's because they have gone past um their best before date um so best before date is when it's still good to eat but um the quality kind of deteriorates um and then or it's had packaging slightly damaged or things like that um and we collect that in and we take it back to our kitchens and make a free meal for anyone in the community Wow, that's that's awesome like, <laughs> i'm just surprised i'm just surprised that it's not being done sooner um, and how do you find your food produce? And is anyone able to donate leftover food um, produce to Food Cycle? Yeah, so we, we have partnerships with um, kind of local small independent greengrocers near to our projects and community centres. But we also have relationships with bigger kind of retailers as well, the bigger sort of supermarkets. And what we do is um, volunteers will come along and they'll go to the shops and they'll um, have conversations with their um, shop owners and retailers and um, collect it on a weekly basis. Um, and we do accept donations as well. Um, so we, with with that, we accept kind of, um, we're always looking for pantry goods. So things that we can make cakes out of or, or bulk out a meal so we get lots of fresh fruit and vegetables. So it's kind of a pastas, flowers, sugar and things like that. So we're always looking for donations to kind of individual projects as well. Um, and all of it goes into making really, really delicious, nutritious meals. So we, we love the more food, the better. Yeah. Um, and there is plenty um, of food that is in pristine condition but is actually just going to landfill. So I have more of a, a logistical question. So when you get the food, um, how do you decide like what to make? Is it uh, like if there's a missing ingredients or do you? It's do you a bit buy, like ready, steady cook. Yeah, so. I, was, I was just thinking about that. You just open the shopping bag. It's like I want to make this, right? Exactly. So you'll get your volunteers will go to the kitchen and they'll have you know twenty broccoli a loaf of bread and an apple and then they come together and they all have different ideas and things and they'll say okay we're going to make a broccoli soup and bread and butter pudding and uh, I don't know a a broccoli and apple curry and then that's what they'll do and they'll put it together Um, so it's really fun it's quite creative and what's nice is we've got lots of volunteers from lots of different backgrounds and cooking Mm -hmm. skills so they all bring their ideas and their favorite recipes and things and it's a big kind of mashup of of everything to what we kind of create right and so how is this contributing to supporting like sustainability and improving the environment could you you explain for our listeners so um, food waste is one of the biggest contributors to climate change. Um, and what we, we find is so we by utilising that food, saving it from going into landfill, we're reducing carbon emissions because we're, we're using it and, and reducing the amount of methane that's being produced. Um, but also with the dishes that we make, um, they're vegetarian. Right. And so the Climate Change Committee says that everyone needs to reduce their meat in, um, intake by about 30%. So it's not saying stopping eating meat, yeah. but it's, it's about reducing it. So what we do with um, our meals is they're sustainable. So we're giving the, we're letting people once a week have a really lovely sustainable meal mm. um, that's meat-free, which also helps kind of reduce 
um, those climate emissions as well. Right, and um, what, so with with the meat uh, specifically, like reducing meat, how how is that impacting the um, the environment and improving sustainability? Can you share um, a little bit about that for our Yeah, absolutely. So um, having kind of a um, a mixed and varied diet um, can help reduce kind of carbon emissions. Um, so it's not about uh, we're we're all about choice at food cycle so we yeah. we're not saying that people shouldn't eat meat or course, or yeah. remove it from their diets but but a reduction really really does help in terms of those um carbon emissions so we sort of follow the science there yeah. um from kind of leading environmentalists and what more do you think needs to be done in order to tackle food poverty and help those in need well, I think there's lots of different ways that people can get involved and can support. I think it's quite a difficult thing for people because sometimes it seems like such a big problem. Um, but it can be from really small, tangible things like looking at how you use food in your kitchens at home. Are there ways that you can look at that fridge and make sure you're reducing, reducing waste? It could be supporting local projects like ourselves, so getting involved in community groups. Um, donating your time uh, to kind of give back and help make those those impacts there um, and it can also be um, by kind of advocating so looking at courses and, and kind of supporting them in other ways as well. Awesome and so if you could just let our listeners know that um, how they can get in touch and you know if they want to have a go at Ready Steady Cook um, yeah. <laughs> way, to, way to contact you and learn more Absolutely. So anyone can um, sign up to volunteer if they go to our website, which is feedcycle.org.uk. Um, and we're always looking for volunteers, we're always looking for people to come and get involved with us. Um, and we, we'd love any support. Excellent. Thank you so much and have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much. Thanks. Take Bye. care. Bye. 02086877878. I'm sure there are some good cooks uh, on the line who would... Uh, you know, want to get in touch and let us know. You can speak to uh, Sophie Tebbets, who was the CEO of Food Cycle, um, a charity that is working to reduce food po- poverty, loneliness, and food waste. And that, you know, one thing, sorry, she yeah, touched on, which which is quite uh, an aspect that maybe we didn't we didn't catch or didn't see before, was uh, actually the best before food. So that's food that's still usable. Yeah. It's still edible. It's not like it's going to make you ill or anything. It just passed the best before. And to be honest, I've had food sometimes at home and it's passed the best before yeah. by months. And when you eat it, it's completely fine. Yeah. So that's another way. Oh. Yeah, I think that's that's obviously, um, I think maybe people don't know as much about this. And I think that was a really good point that she made that, um, you know, it's best before as in think about what that means right it's best before this date like it's the ingredients so it will be as mm. fresh or it'll be optimal before that point right mm. that does not mean that it's perished or, or it's not uh, able to be eaten um no this uh, it was really insightful i think that and you know i just literally i think um kid me uh, was basically saying that wasn't there, wasn't he? <laughs> he was saying just go give it to the people you need, and I think that's great that you know we've come to uh, a place. Where I think that you know it should be happening across the world uh, more regularly, and you know I think that um, 
the, the main aspect actually is actually the little changes that we can make. Yeah. It's about that one little bit where we're not wasteful for that one. We take that one extra step. Yeah. Everyone takes that one step and all of a sudden it makes a big difference. Definitely. And, you know, the current caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, uh, Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmed, uh, may God be his helper, um, has addressed this topic of uh, food waste on many occasions, especially during various conventions and community competitions, you know, uh, where we have thousands and thousands of people. Um, his Holiness also once said, um, the food we waste, for instance, in Europe, where there is an extraordinary amount of food that is wasted if that food is distributed in Africa with all sincerity without any vested interests then much of the hunger will be removed so you can just see that the Islamist is, is you know based on the principles of Islam is very conscious of this fact and has continually reminded um, in, in, everyone uh, about this need to not waste and it's quite sad, actually, that, you know, even in um, Europe, the most amount of food which is wasted actually is in the UK. So we're leading Europe in the wrong charts there. Um, and according to the Waste and Resources Action Programme, um, maybe known as RAP as well, is that 70% of food waste is because of household waste, 16% is from manufacturers, 12% from hospi- hospital and food services. Hmm. And 2% is from the retail sector. So if we just understand that for a second, 70% is from household waste. That's us directly, yeah. each and every one of us, yeah, individuals. Be, there's no corporations to to be blamed here. <laughs> it's it's us, a, we can do that. This we, is down to us. And yeah. it says an average of 70 kg of food is wasted per person every year. Wow. This is equivalent to 140 meals. Wow. Just... Honestly, when you hear these numbers, you you just I don't know. I think um, I, whenever as, as as Muslims and you know we always look to to understand what does Islam teach about it, and you know it, we're not saying it's just one part, but even in the Holy Quran it states that verily the extravagant are brothers of Satan's, and Satan is ungrateful to his Lord. That's chapter seventeen, verse twenty-eight, and mm-hmm. that just says that you know that that need to indulge too much like and to you know have that extravagance i think is is it's not something um that is liked or, or taught or you know um promoted in islam and i think that you know we should be wary of that and even in the the verse that i quoted earlier which was the next bit was which means that you know if you are grateful, I will surely bestow more favors on you. And the next part, which I just read now, is, but if you are ungrateful, then know that my punishment is severe indeed. Yeah. So the punishment there would also be, not only is being ungrateful going to upset God, hmm. also going to lead you down to the path of being punished from God. Yeah. And to be honest, uh, 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 from what I've seen as well, and, uh, is that when we have something, we don't truly cherish it. Yeah. Or maybe we're not um, grateful enough for it, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But as soon as we lose it, or yeah. we even even if we fear of losing it, yeah. we're like, oh, that thing was that important to us. Yeah. So it just makes you realise. Yeah, puts it in perspective. But um, no, definitely, I think uh, before we continue this discussion, um, we had uh, a catch-up with Sarah Kalka, who was the CEO 
of City Harvest um, and we learn more about the topic from her um, I'm just going to play that recording now for you um, Hello Sarah so um, my first question to you um, is that we are very fortunate that we live in a first world country like the United Kingdom um, but we even living in a country where we have access to so many resources why do you think um, that we're still having to deal with issues like food poverty um it's a multi-layered issue um in, in every kind of way and obviously has been made much worse by what's happened in the world in the last sort of five years so we have the compound effects of um covid the war in ukraine we've come out of Europe, all of these things are affecting the cost of inputs in producing in food and obviously energy costs. You know, all these things have, have you know, it, it basically created a massive cost of living increase that we're all suffering from. Cost of living is a massive challenge for many households. Um, the concentration of challenge within London, really not that different to any other major part of the UK. We've been doing some research into other you know, places like Kent at the moment. You've got households, because their income hasn't risen in line with the cost of living, the cost of food's gone up by 23% in 12 months, whereas it went up 23% in the previous year, eight years, you know, there's a, a big, a big um, gap now, income versus rent versus food versus energy, and it's leaving a deficit um, in households and of course big challenges around um wages not being able to go up you have the businesses aren't making more money they can't afford to really pay their staff more but their staff need to earn more to be able to afford to live particularly in cities and and that challenge is right the way across the uk um so something else that um we're also struggling in the uk with is that there are many um school going children who um who are living in poverty yet they're not getting the benefits they deserve like free school meals why do you think that that is the case um the threshold <clears throat> sorry the income threshold for free school meals is a household uh, having a gross income of seven thousand six hundred pounds per year once the household's income goes over that value they're no longer eligible for free school meals so the big challenge there is that that threshold needs to be amended because no household is going to function on such a low level of income and certainly won't be in a position at that level of income to be providing a balanced nutritious diet for the children so the, the the challenge there is that those thresholds need to be amended um obviously in london um we have funds being diverted from elsewhere within the capital into a school meal program for primary age children and obviously that's just been extended for another year um and it's amazing it makes a huge, huge difference. A balanced, nutritious, hot meal um, five days a week in the middle of your school day, um, topped up by initiatives like the Magic Breakfast Programme. So the children will arrive, they'll have you know, a bagel, they'll have a glass of juice, they'll have maybe an egg in there. Also, a, a, a good bit of protein, carbohydrate, energy to start the day. So they're ready for learning, they're fired up, they can concentrate, they can learn properly. In the middle of the day, they'll have a hot meal, which will you know, set them up for the afternoon and will send them home having had you know, a fair chunk of the building blocks of the diet that they need for that day. Um, Organisations like ourselves, of course, look after those that look after the holiday projects and the weekend schemes and the food banks and schools on Fridays. Um, but yeah, there, there's 700,000 kids who should be getting a free school meal.
Um, so you, you also briefly spoke about the cost of living crisis. What impact has that had on those already facing issues like food insecurity um, and poverty? So there's an enormous rise um, in how so if you if you if you start to you know people are trading down within their retailers. So if you look at the retail trade analysis, people are moving downwards within their bands within retailers. So the the discounters are doing better because far more people that's the only budget they can afford. Then you come back from that, you're then looking at um, a rising a dramatically rising need in food banks in um, social supermarkets and the rise of social cooperatives. So you know, central purchasing groups within um, you know, a certain estate or neighborhood, for instance, where you can pool your resources, purchase in bulk, which is cheaper. The demand is enormous. So if you look at what City Harvest is doing at the moment, we're feeding just about 100,000 people a week. That's 130 tons of food that's going out. Um, we're supporting you know, a record number of organizations, but we also have a record size of waiting list and and that's the that's the that's the real reality of this you're looking at one in four households in london cannot afford to feed their family right now and that ranges from parents who are going out going without meals regularly in order for their children to eat to households with no, no food and there's also the rise then of course those that are you know they are essentially homeless they are unable to maintain a tenancy they cannot afford a tenanted house um, and so they're moving into hostels which makes them technically homeless. That's not their home. It is temporary accommodation and they can't cook there. So it then produces you know, huge problems. You're in a room where you can have a kettle and a microwave. Very difficult for you to feed your family. And of course, your money's going on that hostel. You can't build up a reserve to be able to move somewhere else. It's really difficult, really, really desperate situation for a large number of people at the moment. Um, and could you explain what City Harvest is doing um, in helping to reduce food waste um, in London as well? Um, so twofold. So obviously we have a, a fleet of vans which delivers a lot of food out. So we work with just over 500 different food businesses. A lot of those are in the capital um, and then a lot of those are, are naturally are nationally. So we work with farmers. And so we are gathering food that all would otherwise go to waste. So everything from, you know, we're amazing partners with Amazon. So short dated chilled stock, so short dated meat, cheese, you know, dairy, whatever, um, we will collect that and get that out the same day to the, the partners that we have in communities. Um, we do a lot of fresh fruit and vegetables. And so we're taking waste out of the system um, and, and then feeding people with it. Um, we also are running a campaign at the moment um, on our social media channels where we're helping people understand how they could use up um, you know, extra bits they've got at the end of the week in the fridge and how they might make use of, you know, you can make stock out of um, vegetable peelings, all sorts of things like that. So it's actually we're also helping people utilize more of what they might have in their cupboards um, and, and understand how they can budget and how they can manage a shopping list so that you're purchasing what you need with no surplus generated from it. That was an interview with Sarah Culker, um, CEO of City Harvest. Um, and again, it's all about making the little changes. Um, and it's quite sad, actually, that the most foods which are wasted in the UK are essentials such as bread, salad, vegetables, potatoes, milk and bananas. So it's fruit and it's bread and it's, it's these essential things, vegetables that you yeah. need to survive. Um, and Islam actually prohibits wastage in every aspect of one's life, whether it be with one's time, energy, wealth or even one's food. Allah has blessed us with more than our needs. We should be grateful to him. 
and it is a sign of our great gratitude and appreciation that we you know we we don't waste the food and that we share and distribute the excess among the poor and needy of society and to be fair the uk government uh, according to statistics at least has um, set a target to reduce the food waste by 20% by uh, by 2025 and uh, the next year <laughs> yeah, it feels like long, long time I, away. I know, it sounds, it feels like a long time away, but we're in 2024, and that is next year. So, and, and then the waste and resources uh, action program, they are aiming to re- they've set a target at least to reduce it by 50 percent by 2030. So right. maybe that's more realistic. Who knows? I, I guess um, there are efforts yeah. being made. There are, yeah, and uh, you know the the the. The food that is wasted in the UK creates approximately uh, 25 million tons of greenhouse gas emissions every year. And, you know, this has a significant impact on climate change. Um, you know, we do all these things with ULEs and, and, and all the other types of things to tackle this. And when, when I think about climate change as well, it's like this, uh, the world has been given to us essentially right you know um by god almighty and therefore to not treat it with respect um and to you know be wasteful of the resources is another way of of not showing appreciation and i think that's why um it goes down to as you mentioned like every part of life that it's not just about food here in this yes we're talking about food because of and we've told you many statistics which shows that we are wasting food at a, at a very large rate. Um, but it's not just about food wastage. It is, it's so much and how much is impacting the climate. And that's actually another aspect that we need to maybe look at now um, is that to reduce the food waste, we need to first sort of understand the ways in which food is wasted. Yes, we mentioned the categories yeah. whereby um, wasted at home, manufacturers and retail and whatnot. Hmm. But if we delve a little bit deeper, we see that there are certain ways which are very, very prevalent. For example, plate waste. This is the food that's left on the plates and it's unfinished from larger meals or larger portions which are just left over. Uneaten fruits and vegetables as well. And another way is we buy too much. We buy in bulk, maybe because it turns out cheaper or whatnot and it's expired and uh, spoiled food then. Hmm. And that, of course, is just wasted and... um, Again, just a waste. Um, Stop shopping at Costco. <laughs> <laughs> and trimmings or, or peeling waste. Uh, that, that is the waste of peeled fruits, vegetables or fat trimmings. To be fair, I can understand if you're a little bit, you know, iffy on, on eating the, the pills because of maybe you've read some articles on the negative. Yeah. But then, of course, there are those that say that the, most of the benefits are in the, in the pills. Yeah, but okay. Uh, for uh, apple, for example. Yeah, but... For, the thing is, is that I've seen some people eat chicken wings and like the way they eat it, <laughs> they leave so much meat there. And I think that that's kind of what what's being said here, right, is is that it's like you can eat something to its full, like make sure that it's like clean down to the bone or like, you know, or make sure that you eat the whole part of it. Like think about it peeling, right, when you peel mm. an apple. You can do it very finely and make sure that not a lot of the actual inside of the apple um, is um, is being wasted, right? Or you can do it very thickly and, you know, basically chop it up and waste a lot. So I think that that's really important. 
And I yes, I get the benefits. There are like different benefits to eating. You know, you're not gonna eat the banana with the skin on either, right? Like, but um, I think that there is some. You know, don't be wasteful when you're peeling just because of abundance. But, but you know, right? the thing is, these sort of these aspects of food being wasted and and other aspects like you know overstocked inventory where you have an excess and it just yeah. expires. I can kind of understand where they may maybe miss uh, sort of mismanaged uh, it or yeah. whatever. But it, things okay, like but where there's unsold food, right? That, in my opinion, shouldn't go to waste. Yeah, that's no, where I agree. someone's homeless or whatever. You should definitely should give it. Hundred percent. So the thing is, though, is that, um, and I agree with what you're saying. But the, my my thing is, is that um, you're more conscious, right? Like if if mm. if you have like. Um, if you're more conscious of the stuff that's being unsold, you're like, you're like, oh, okay, the corporations, they're not doing anything with their food. How about the stuff that you're doing, right? And it's it's, it's the Islamic principle of looking at yourself first and, and mm. making sure that you improve your um, flaws. Uh, so I hear you. I, I do agree that there are some that are, but for me, I would say that um, these little things are just as important. In 100%, opinion. yeah. And also, even, for example... Um, items that are regarded as ugly produce these are items that have not been brought because they don't meet visual standards yeah no, that's just silly isn't it I, the thing is is that it's just I don't know is it social media is it social media that you know food has to be aesthetically pleasing you know it's, you know, for the gram or whatever is that what it is but because some like food may not look very good but it tastes very very good and I think that um, I think the main thing is the, the nutrients and it needs to be natural I would mm. rather have something which is it is what it is rather yeah. than it's been injected or you know yeah. made made to be increased in size or yeah. genetically modified I'd rather have it how it is yeah like there's some uh, popular um, fast food chains where you can get some of their uh, food and someone like left it in a glove compartment for like over a year and it looked exactly the same but so you know you have no idea what's actually in there mm. but you, I think you're right like um, it shouldn't be about what it looks like it's about how it can benefit you I think right? to be and honest it, it kind of boils down to greed as well where mm. if they make that sacrifice of yes let's leave the food natural yeah our margin might be smaller yeah but it'll be natural it'll be better, better and healthier for the people yeah no I, so. I, I think that it's just um yeah, overstocked industry, like food. Pro- I think that there's just so many things that we can do. Uh, it's about being conscious of it. And we're hoping that a conversation like today, hearing from uh, experts in the field, as well as, uh, you know, hopefully uh, our conversation here is making you just think twice about wasting food because of. And, you know, people can sit there and be like, you know what? They'll. How like you said that um, it was nine point five two million tons of food is wasted in the UK every year. What impact am I gonna make? Right, like this. I'm sure there's people sitting there thinking, yeah. So what? Like, what am I gonna do? But the thing is, is that if everybody thinks like that, one, we're never gonna get anywhere. We're never gonna make any change. And two, if everybody thinks the opposite of that and actually makes that change then we can reduce that 9.52 million tons of food that's wasted in the UK every year by a lot, not just a little bit. And I think that that's where it's really important to remember. 
and and another thing is we need to look at the the consequence of the consequences as well yeah. and uh, his holiness uh, hazrat mirza masood ahmed once stated that if we share what we have and distribute the food allah has provided us then no one will die of hunger and allah has provided the food for us but it is our mismanagement of the resources which causes it to be di- diminished the natural consequence of th- that is that children women and elderly starve but the blame cannot be put on god for this even today the world is in the, the food is the food in the world is enough to feed all people on earth i think that's important the reason people are struggling is not mm. down to because that is something which sometimes pops up why are people suffering mm. it's not from god it's the it's because of the free will the free the freedom people have is when they mistreat when they misuse their mm. their powers and and their then these negative side effects of children starving elderly women stra- stra- starving and struggling and all and those waste this all sort of stems from man's greed not from god god has given us enough it's yeah. just the way we're making use of it 100% and it's, it's that greed like you said right it's the consolidation it's the hoarding of these of these resources and it's the selfishness and um i just think that it's really important that you know and that's where the principle of serving humanity um uh, is is so important right if we all are looking towards helping those less fortunate to us if everybody in the world did that then it would eradicate the problems that we're facing because we would be worrying about somebody else we would be putting that you know we would be caring about others and the the world will become a better place for everyone right yep i agree and the thing is that the aspects of this are, are both sort of individual and then sort of more on a on a global scale um um like companies need to work on this as well maybe i haven't got the wording for it but um as you said of course we look at our little impacts and then the companies and and everyone else should look at their impact because for us to make everyone every one of us to make a little bit of a sacrifice a little bit of a change a little bit of um a difference yeah when a company wants to change their ways for example with unsold food as you said yeah we look at ourselves hmm. but in the unsold food there's so much food there if you yeah. give it to the people i understand maybe they have the thing of if we give it away for free then people won't buy it and so, but if you give it away just to the needy or give it away or use it in a certain way where there's always there can always be a way around it yeah. and then there you'll be blessed by god so then again religion comes into it where you trust in god you yeah. put your faith in god so you make that sacrifice that yes okay i had this amount of food mm. which i was going to waste because i don't want people to think they can get it for free mm. but now these people that are in need i will make so I, whatever loss i would take on the thing i was going to throw it away anyway exactly. let me give it to these people and yeah. yeah maybe some people might use misuse the system yeah. but i have the firm belief that god will bless me for my my efforts yeah so that's another reason that see i was i was it. thinking just the exact same thing because i was thinking that, you know what okay let's see right yes there will be some people who were going to purchase it mm. that will be like why would i buy it now get it wait for, wait for that right but there will also be let's say people who genuinely need it right and they will one day be able to buy it and they will remember that as well right and i think that that's where you know when you do good it goes out there and it makes you know a difference and the thing is life. sorry yeah sorry the thing is as well that god will always give you back more so it's never that god's going to take from you and not yeah. it's like i think in a narration of all that you will get 70 or 700 times the returns so mm-hmm. there again it's not like you're losing out it's just that you have to have the belief yeah. to make that move 
No, definitely. And um, there's some tips and tricks as well, right, to mm. reduce food waste. Um, we've spoken about some of them, but um, they're eating less beef um, is it because beef is having the most um, climate impact than any other food source. Uh, so statistically, it says that um, by swapping one serving of beef each year with chicken, a person would save 0.71 tons of carbon dioxide every year. And again, we're not saying that you should not eat meat. It's about the impact of beef. There is there. And, you know, but is that something you can be um, more mindful of? To be honest, even eating, eating, um, you know, plants and all these things, they have their effects as well. So I can understand if you maybe don't want to go on to this side. But if you look at the other side where it says, for example, storing your food properly, but to avoid weight, that's something that we can all agree on. Um, but yeah, now let's move to our guest, Ali Gawley. Um I think he's on the line, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. And he, yeah. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. Welcome. Um, can you start off by explaining how Fair Share tackles the root of poverty by providing surplus food to community organisations and charities providing help for those in need? Sure. Uh, so Fair Share is a nationwide charity. We take surplus food that would be going to waste from the food industry and we get it to a network of about 8,500 charities across the country. Uh, so this can be food banks, but it can also be food pantries, uh, breakfast clubs, elderly people, lunch clubs. We provide food to lots of uh, religious institutions, a lot of mosques get our food. So it's sort of really the fabric of uh, the community centre and the fabric of British society, really. Um, And so we get food to these charities and then they help people with their problems. Uh, So some charities, for example, might provide debt advice services um, or, you know, some charities might be there to tackle loneliness or be be there to look after children. So it, it really depends on the nature of the charity. But using surplus food, we empower those charities to do that work because they've got more money to spend on their frontline services and you know they're not paying massive food bills so that's that's kind of what we pride ourselves on and in terms of um, the, um helping other charities how does the the work that fair share uh, fair share does help increase uh, other charities um and improve their food provision um, well, as I said, they can uh, save save money uh, through us, but it also increases access to different types of food. So we work a lot with uh, farmers who get their surplus food to us, and so it means you're getting a lot of sort of fresh, healthy food into the charity sector that isn't something that you might normally associate with uh, surplus food redistribution. People often think of tin food immediately, but we're getting lots of uh, fresh, healthy food and that's good for people because it kind of broadens people's horizons and means that they can try different foods and, um, and you know, have uh, expanded that way. So, yeah, we, we, we supply lots of different food to charities and help them in that manner. And just on the environmental side, what impact does the surplus food generated in the UK have on the environment? It's huge. It's absolutely massive. You you, you wouldn't realise how big uh, the impact is. So 
about eight percent of UK emissions come from um, uh, from food waste. On a, on a global scale, if you took food waste as a country, it would be the third largest emitter in the world. So food waste is this big sort of elephant in the environmental room. No one really talks about it, but it is a massive, massive contributor. Uh, so getting surplus food to charities basically means you are reducing that environmental problem i mean there are lots of things have to happen to solve it overall but you know we are part of that solution getting surplus food um to charities and it means you know all of the embodied emissions that have gone into growing this food then aren't wasted and what kind of uh, surplus food products does fair share accept that would otherwise go to waste because i think that would help the listeners as well if they want to contribute Everything and anything. So honestly, we we're, we're sort of like a wholesaler, so we do supply chain stuff. So if you're a big retailer or you've got a food business and you've got surplus food, um, we'll, we'll take that. So we operate in uh, pallets, um, and you know there are other redistribution charities or other sort of food banks and so on who will take smaller uh, donations, but we deal in pretty pretty large quantities. Of food. However, if listeners are um, are hearing this and they want to help, uh, they can go onto our website fairshare.org.uk and they can donate. Or we're always looking for um, people to uh, volunteer as well. We've got lots of different volunteering um, slots. You know, van drivers, people working in the warehouse, all of that. So head onto our website uh, to find out how you can help. Right, and um, as the public uh, affairs lead at Fair Share, how do you contribute to the organisation? So uh, my job is uh, public affairs, so that means leading on policy, advocacy and campaigns. Uh, So I uh, talk to MPs and uh, explain to them how government can help uh, food redistribution and help introduce policy that would um, create an environment in the UK uh, that's beneficial for surplus food redistribution. Um, so, honestly speaking, the government are not doing enough to help as stands. Uh, we used to have funding from DEFRA to get food from farms to charities, and that funding was axed. So, a, a large part of my job is campaigning for that funding to be reinstated. And um, especially with the, the way your, your charity is run, I mean, of, of course, it's, it's a question that a lot of people have sometimes. It's if we are to, to contribute, how much of that realistically gets forward to the people that are actually in need? Oh, huge amount. So um, we, we're a big logistics organization, right? Mm. So you've got to be able to move food at volume uh, to uh, from from a food industry to charity, so it, all the money goes towards that effort. So you know, people donate money; it will go to uh, heating warehouses, keeping our fridges cold, keeping vans on the road, um, and 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 directly to food. So you know, it all contributes to this big logistical effort of getting food to the charity sector. Well, thank you very much. It was a pleasure to have you. Cool. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, that you was what? that was 
Ali Gawley from uh, the CEO of C- City Harvest. And if you want to get involved as well, as ever, you can the call The public up. affairs lead. Yeah, uh, sorry. Yeah. So, as ever, if you want to get involved as well, um, it's 02086877878. Or if you'd prefer to, you know, tweet us, it's at Voice of Islam UK. Or you can even visit our website, which is www.voiceofislam.co.uk. Yeah, I think that... Um all these organizations we've spoken to are working towards trying to make a real difference to this issue. And the thing is, is that not only does, does less food get wasted, but it has that impact on the um, the environment as well. So it's a win-win situation. So if there is anyone who is, you know, thinking or listening to us today and being like, oh, it's not really that much of a big deal, or I can't make an impact this is what this show is for it's to remind you that it is a an issue that we all need to take on and we all need to be better with and that the teachings of islam essentially protect from these issues that have uh, risen if we had followed it properly so the solutions are there yeah and, and you know what there will probably be people watching now that will be grateful that you know what I'm, I'm grateful this show's on because maybe they are the ones that are struggling as well so it's just because maybe if you're listening and you're like oh it's not maybe that big of an issue there's definitely probably someone else who's struggling and probably very thankful and grateful that this topic has actually come up Yeah, and I think it's actually a good reminder for everyone um, just a reminder that all our aspects should be in line with you know, attaining God's pleasure and this is just one of the ways where if we're it's a little thing just not be wasteful and to be grateful and to make use of what we have. Yeah. And before we end the show, we want to make sure that you take away some, you know, genuine tips and tricks that you can start doing uh, from today. And as we were mentioning before, the guests, you know, eating less beef um, is, is one way. But again, we're not saying don't eat meat. Uh, it's just a, just there is an impact of climate change from beef specifically. Um, we can need to take local elections seriously um, and make sure that, you know, this issue is something that um, is represented by your local uh, representatives. And in, in tips, um, since we are <laughs> we're trying to give some tips and something helpful, the Quran actually states, and he it is who brings into being gardens, trellised and untrellised, and the date palm and cornfields whose fruits are of diverse kinds and the olive and the pomegranate alike and unlike eat of the fruit of which when it bears fruit but pay due eat of the fruit of which when it bears fruit but pay his due on the day of harvest and exceed not the bounds surely Allah loves those who ex- who uh, love not those who exceed the bound and that's chapter 6 verse 142 and even from this verse, uh, verse we can see that a primary uh, sort of, uh, source of waste is food but not just that we're actually uh, given a tip in the same in the same verse or taught how to avoid wasting food where Allah instructs us that we share our food with the poor so that's one way we can you know give it not that your neighbours are poor but if you've made a nice dish not only will if you give it to your neighbours not only will that um you know, uh, enable your relations to to sort of become stronger and and you get stronger ties, but also it will uh, it will stop the food from going waste as well. Yeah. So it's like it's a win when you're getting yeah. a good relationship with your neighbor, and you never know maybe the neighbor was ill that day, maybe yeah. they were tired and they didn't make any food. So definitely, and just uh, don't waste your leftovers. 
um, and try composting, making grocery lists and sticking to it. Don't uh, buy in massive bulks that you know you won't actually be able to consume within the time of their uh, expiry date, not their best before date. And remember, food does not go off um, bef- on the best before date. It is just optimal to eat it before that. Mm, I think that's quite key, actually. There's best before and there's end. Yeah, it's two completely different things. Yeah. And um, so, in a nutshell, your thoughts on food waste before we go to our break? I think, to be fair, it's it's a thing where you have twenty seconds. We, yeah, <laughs> we we do our thing. Mm. We we do our thing for the sake of God. We make our little change, mm. and of course, we we don't have any restriction on anyone else. But what we can do is make the change within ourselves and in our actions, mm. and just hope that maybe the the big corporations will take lead as well. Yeah, we can make that change uh, and if everybody thinks that way then the whole world will change and it will make a proper impact. Um, that's all we have on this segment of the show. We'll be back um, after the a small break where we'll be discussing the Holy Prophet of Islam um, and his kindness to all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace and blessings of God be upon you all. Welcome back to the Drive Time Show here at The Voice of Islam. You're joined by Fahim and Osman. Um, we were just discussing before the break about food wastage, but now mm. we're on to another subject, um, which I think everybody can learn from. I think that is something so exemplary. And something that is so applicable to every part of life that I'm pretty sure that everybody will learn something from today's segment. And that is the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of God be upon him, his kindness to all. And I think that that's something that will really resonate with a lot of people. Mm. What are your thoughts on the topic? I think that's such a vast, vast topic that an hour cannot do justice to it. But we can obviously we just try our bit. But there's so many aspects of it. You know, kindness and treatment of, of children, elderly, orphans. There's so many aspects, so many examples, so many narrations that I think we could probably go on and on and on and on. But it's about, I think, maybe presenting certain things and trying to keep it simple. But um, we'll start off by taking um, our guest, our first guest for this hour, um, actually a friend of mine. Um, we managed to study together in Jamia for, well, he was a senior of mine, but he was yeah. a good friend and he's grown up near me, so... <laughs> Very good at football, but okay. it's Imam uh, Khalid Gonzalez from Spain, I believe. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Wa alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Welcome to the show. How are you doing? You right? I'm good. How are you? Long, long time no speak. Eh? <laughs> yeah. Um, without you know, let's just get into it. It's um, Islam places a strong emphasis on the concept of brotherhood and sisterhood among its followers. How did the Prophet exemplify this sense of community? Prayers, prayers, prayers are the most powerful tool that every prophet, since the beginning of 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 the the missions of all prophets, they've always used prayers. It's always been the most powerful tool, um, and we have traditions in which you know whether it's Hazrat Aisha, uh, may peace, may Allah be pleased with her, or any other companion, in which they're explaining, describing the way the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would would pray, peace and blessings of God be upon him. And he would play with extreme intensity, emotion. So this is just to put one thing clear, you know, to, to make sure that people don't think that, 
you know, brotherhood and all these good things and blessings in, in life come through our own actions. Rather, it's a blessing which comes from God. But what he would do, or what he would practice, well, there's a narration. The Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, peace and blessings of God be upon him, said, do not envy one another, do not inflate prices for one another, and do not hate one another, and do not turn away from one another, and do not undercut one another in trade, but rather be slaves, be servants of Allah, and brothers amongst yourselves. A Muslim is the brother of a Muslim. He does not oppress him, nor does he fail him, nor does he lie to him, nor does he hold him in contempt. Taqwa, piety, is right here, and when he said this, he was pointing towards his heart. He said, this is where taqwa is, this is where piety is. He says, it is evil enough for a man to hold his brother, his Muslim brother, in contempt. The entirety of, of a Muslim is sacred to another Muslim, you know, his life, his wealth, and his reputation. And so we find many traditions like this, and there's another one in which is similar words, but he also mentions that uh, you know, do not, it is not permissible for a Muslim to desert or not talk to his Muslim brother for three days, meaning that there's a limit. So there was all these teachings that the Holy Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, peace and blessings of God be upon him, he would keep on emphasizing and reminding us um, to to always, always keep strong, you know, keep this unity. And not just that, but before as well as after the migration, you know, it wasn't just before the migration, but it was also after. He actually created bonds of brotherhood between different companions. So you'd find like, for example, Hazrat Abu Bakr and uh, Hazrat Umar, may God uh, be pleased with them both, together in a bond of brotherhood. And that was like groups of couple, like twos that, that he would make between, between the companions, which would also you know, further, further uh, strengthen you know, the acceptance of his prayers to, to keep us united. And just to finish on, on the last point is that in the Quran, you know, we know that the Quran is a personification of the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi morality and his example that he showed us. And in there, Allah says, "Audhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim, Rabbana aghfir lana wa li ikhwanina al-ladhina sabbakuna bil-iman, wa la taj'al fi qulubina ghilla lil-ladhina amanu, Rabbana inna gara'ufur rahim, which means they say, oh, our Lord, forgive us and our brothers who preceded us in faith, those who have excelled us in faith, and leave not in our hearts any rancor against those who believe. Our Lord, you are indeed the compassionate, the merciful. And how can we follow the Holy Prophet's example um, of kindness towards adversaries and um, today's world? Well, this question reminded me of a story. It's quite a fascinating story, to be honest, because uh, nowadays we find ourselves, um, whenever we confront anyone who's against us, they might not, might not even be an enemy. It could be a friend who insults us. Suddenly we become, we become so like sensitive. So there's a story of the Holy Prophet, <laughs> he's sitting down on a rock, and Abu Jahl comes, Abu Jahl being like the biggest enemy of Islam. He comes along and he decides, you know what, I'm going to start insulting him. So he starts insulting the Holy Prophet ﷺ. He just has a burst of frustration he wants to let out and he just had enough. He keeps on insulting him and the Holy Prophet just keeps quiet. He keeps quiet and he's smiling, not in an insulting way, but just to keep the peace. And then he says, what have I done to you? I've only given the message. Abu Jahl gets even more angry and he even to the point where he started hitting him with his stick. And this is all witnessed by the servant, one of the servants of uh, one of the maids of uh, his uncle, Hamza. 
Hazrat Hamza, when he was told about this, he went over there, approached him, this uh, Abu Jahl, and he struck him on the face in front of all of his friends. This being one of the biggest chiefs of Mecca at the time, if not the biggest. And it just goes to show, number one, that if you keep quiet, Allah will, will, will protect you in front of any adversary, any enemy, anyone who's against you. But number two, he kept like the highest, maintaining the highest level of patience. And in the Quran, Allah says, وَإِبَادُ الرَّحْمَنِ الَّذِينَ يَمْشُونَ عَلَى الْأَرْضِ هَوْنًا وَإِذَا خَاطَبُهُمُ الْجَاهِلُونَ قَالُوا سَلَامًا And the servants of the gracious God are those who walk on the earth in a dignified manner. And when the ignorant addresses them, they say peace. So throughout that story, his entire, the entire character which he was upholding was peace. And nothing he said was insulting towards Abu Jahl. So this is the best, this is the best advice which, which we could possibly give to each other to, to maintain peace. I mean, kindness would be another, another, another step, but first we should at least try and establish peace. But when, you know, nowadays you go to a school and people, especially the young, younger boys, they say, oh no, he cussed my mum, for example. They say, oh no, he insulted my mum. And, and just for that, they, they think it's a, 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 a pass, a freedom pass to, to say anything in the world, anything in the world, or to fight or to, to even kill them, you know, someone insults my mother. But when it comes to Islam, for some reason, people don't have the same, same passion. So I also encourage people to have passion for, for Islam, but not to, to always act with peace. Mm, and I think that goes hand in hand as well with the teaching that if you're quiet, then um, the, the angels are answering for you. Um, but just moving on to the next question, do, do you believe that it's more challenging to practice kindness in today's fast-paced and often impersonal society? Um, no, I don't. I mean, if you're asking me if it's harder to practice kindness nowadays, not at all. It's mm. absolutely the opposite. In fact, the means to help others has increased. The accessibility to one another has increased. The bank, mm. We have bank transfers, accessibility to medicine, accessibility to information, different forms of contact and transport. In today's age, it's so much easier to show kindness and support others. Although it is true that due to the superficiality of our age, People don't show as much kindness, and perhaps in the previous, uh, as perhaps in the previous ages, but the means are there more than ever. If you wanted to send a, uh, some money to someone who is in need, you can do that easily. If you wanted to find some medicine, mm. go to the pharmacy, you can do that easily. Everything is easier nowadays. To show kindness is much easier. And the Prophet Muhammad said, "Remember, the height of compassion is very vast. No group or individual should be excluded." I don't say like the ignorant ones of our age do that sympathy should be limited only to the Muslims. Rather, I say that we should feel sympathy for all, all creations of God, whoever they may be, whether they are Hindu, Muslim, or any other person. I will never approve the words of such people who wish to limit sympathy to their people alone. And, and for social media and on, online interactions, they're now a sig- significant part of uh, young people's lives. So how can technology be harnessed as a tool for promoting kindness and empathy rather than contributing to negativity and conflict. So how can we make good use of social media? I mean, it's true, for sure. I mean, people have asked us all about this a lot. Our, our spiritual leader, the, the leader of the Muslims, a lot about this, uh, you know, how to control the situation with the, with the technology, you know, with the kids. But the, tr- the truth is that if we look at it from a psychological point of view, um, a very distinct trait of us humans is to follow, right? We follow. Mm. We follow and we follow other people. We follow that which we, which we respect, you know, just like sheep. 
So it is for this reason that Allah made every prophet who came to earth a shepherd, either as their main job or a task which they had to carry out on some occasion. The point is that if we spread kindness through social media, genuine kindness, not the type which is fake, and then we respect it and people are showing respect and encouraging that form of or that act of kindness, inevitably people will begin to show more and more kindness. So Zul said, yeah, there's a lot of good and bad things on social media, but if you focus on the good things, then you can definitely harness these things in, in the younger generation. Because naturally we follow that which is, which is respected, whether it's an act or a person. For a lot of men, respect is earned by showing superiority and strength or wealth over others, traits which aren't so dignifying. So kindness must be valued and respected so that the younger generation may desire to show kindness. Because nowadays, people act in the way, the way they do because it's portrayed as something dignifying or respectful. That if you do this thing, this wrong act, people will respect you for it. Whether it's to have many, uh, many girlfriends or to who can drink the most alcohol, etc. Who can rob the most money. These things, people show respect for that and they appreciate that. So the only way to, to truly appreciate and value and respect kindness is through the salat, the namaz. Because through this prayer, from the beginning till the end, we are praising Allah, which cultivates gratefulness with, uh, towards Allah within us. If we have gratefulness, which is a key, key quality missing in today's society, and it can only be attained through the most humble and sincere salat, then we will, then we will be able to respect and, and show kindness. If we respect kindness, we will want to show it too. If we will be grateful of, of people being kind to us, and then more people are likely to show kindness towards us too. So, what would you say is some acts of kindness that people can start today? That they've listened to what you've just said, what, what can they start implementing in their day-to-day? I mean, the most basic thing would be saying assalamu alaikum. <laughs> I mean, it's Which true means that- which means peace and blessings of God be upon you. I mean, the yeah. truth is that uh, growing up in London, I mean, we always say like to our friends, oh, yo, what are you, what are you saying? You're good. Things like mm. that. Sorry for the slang, but that's what we say, right? Yo, hey, what are you saying? You're good. Mm. But uh, maybe other people say, hey, hey, how are you? Good, meet, good evening, you know? People, for some reason, they don't have the habit, and maybe because they don't have the habit, habit of saying peace be upon you in, in Arabic, assalamu alaikum, maybe they feel a bit of maybe an inferiority complex, or maybe they feel a bit shy to say it. It sounds strange, right? But I think if people start getting the habit of spreading that peace and saying it sincerely, you know, assalamu alaikum, every time they meet someone, then then eventually people will genuinely feel that kindness towards them. And this is how the ties of relationship begin, you know. You begin to get to know your friend and that's how... But you can't get to know someone, you can't show kindness to them if you don't even, you know, <laughs> present yourself in the first place. Mm. And it's, it's very curious here in Spain, in the villages, I realize, especially where the mosque is, Masjid Basharat in Cordoba, they, it doesn't matter who you are, if they see you in the street, they will say hi to you. They mm. will say hi to you no matter, they've never seen me before and they know I'm from outside because there's only about three, four hundred people, maybe, uh, no, maybe I'm wrong, maybe about three, three, three thousand people in the village. They know I'm not from there. They know I'm not white, uh, but they will always say hi to me. And that just suddenly, it just, it just creates a bit of love, you know. Um, when there's love, then the next step is kindness. You don't want to show kindness to that person, you know. So I think we can start by saying assalamu alaikum. And I think that that's a beautiful point you've raised there. It just shows the vastness of Islam as well, where 
the Holy Prophet has even taken the littlest thing into account where even saying salam, even that, when you're wishing someone peace, is actually promoting love and kindness between each other and promoting the brotherhood. But thank you very much, um, sure. Imam Khalid Gonzalez, that was, a um, friend of mine, as mentioned before. Uh, Zakala, thank, thank you for your time. And as ever, if you would like to get involved, the number is 020-8687-7878 or you can tweet at, at Voice of Islam UK or you can even contact us on our website, www.voiceofislam.co.uk. So, also, give us a call if you want to tell us about some kindness, some acts that you've done today. You know, let's get this conversation started. The thing is, is that we can learn so much from the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of God be upon him, because he consistently demonstrated exceptional self-control, maintaining composure even in adverse situations. Despite becoming a sovereign, he listened patiently to everyone and refrained from retaliation, displaying exceptional self-discipline and I think that that's what is something that we should really hone in on I think that the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of God be upon him was had such self-control and such compassion and showed so much kindness and I think that how are you kind to someone though for me I see that you can be kind to someone, all right? Like, a, you can just be kind to them just as a blanket. But let's say there's someone who has wronged you or someone who has upset you or someone who you're wary of and you're thinking, oh, wh- why should I be kind to them? Or, you know, they're my adversaries, as we were mentioning um, with the last caller. Um, the thing is, is that when you are... when you show kindness to someone who you you know dislike or, or don't um, want to be kind to, you can see that often, more often than not, you will create an environment where you will learn to understand them. And I think from understanding other people, you can start to understand why they have acted in a certain way. So... If I don't know the person and they start doing stuff, I'll just think, oh, this person is bad and they do this and that. I'm judging them based on their actions. But the more you understand about people and what they do, the more you can understand that and then you can then show the appropriate level of kindness. And kindness should be the default, right? I think a lot of the times, you know, um, we are very defensive um, and I think that the point that um, Imam Khalid Gonzalez said about wishing peace, right, on everyone and just, you know, following up with a hi, hello, how are you? This automatically, you know, if someone's walking past you and, you know, you're just wary of them or you just, you don't, you don't know how to act and they just walk past you, that's it. But if they walk past you and they say, peace be upon you, how different will you feel? Right, like mm. you know, how different would you feel for the rest of the day? Um, and you know, it's these acts of kindness. Um, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of God be upon him, also um, said that a smile, right? Like a smile is so it's it's a it's a satka, right? It's, it's a, a it's charity, a, it's yeah. a f- uh, act of charity. Um, so 
these are things that we can implement in our lives that just will one make the better the world a better place and the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him is such a good example he is the greatest example of of how we can live our lives and honestly I implore you to to learn more about his life which I'm sure we'll we'll discuss as well but you know it's yeah. it's something that you can start implementing today to make your lives and the people you know their lives better too so I think one thing to bear in mind is the Holy Prophet peace be upon him is the embodiment of the Quran so where in the Quran, for example, in chapter 3, verse 160, it says, And it is by the great mercy of Allah that thou art kind towards them. And if thou had been rough and hard-heartened, they would surely have dispersed from around thee. So pardon them and ask forgiveness for them and consult them in matters of administration. And when thou art determined, then put thy trust in Allah. And there's a thing here where if we look at the life of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he is the embodiment of the teachings where even when uh, Abdullah bin Ubay bin, uh, uh, Abdullah, uh, Ubay bin Surul, when he, uh, maybe I've got the name slightly wrong, but when he um, uh, was, uh, you know, a hypocritical and when he was uh, so sort of disrespectful to the Prophet, but even then the Prophet ha- had so much love and care for the people around him that he was willing to lead his uh, uh, funeral prayer until God stopped him, of course. But there again, it just shows. And even if you look at um, other examples, people were rude, people would throw rubbish, people would do this, people would do that. But the Holy Prophet always showed that moral example of, you know, in the Quran where, for example, it will say that um, treat everyone, there's like stages. It's basically told in a verse where someone does good to you, do it back, regarded as other. Then the next one is their son, where you do someone um, a favor. So in other, let's, Someone that has done something good to me, now I will return the favor in the same amount, same proportion. Mm. Whereas the ihsan part is, you take the lead, you do the good action. Yep. But even in the ihsan, where where it's a favor from you, ihsan being the favor, it's mm. is maybe somewhere deep in your heart is that feeling is there is the feeling that uh, maybe may, maybe I've done a favor, or is that thing of I've done something, or mm. some sort of little arrogance. They but, owe you exactly, yeah. but or, or that you've done them a favor or whatnot. Yeah. Not even if they owe you, but the next stage would be where it's you initiate and you do the favor and you show that love like a mother to the child where you expect nothing mm. in return. And that's the stage the Holy Prophet was on. And that's the stage that we as Muslims try and try and strive to be. Yeah. Uh, so we yeah, to try and reach, of course. And the thing is there as well, it just shows that the teachings of Islam are so complete that it's the perfect way to, to have a harmonious and peaceful society yeah. where everyone is taking the step Taking the the step ahead to help. Another another verse would be, you know, help those that ask, mm. and help those that don't ask, encompassing yeah. everything. Yeah. So it's like there are those that have the confidence to ask that you yeah. know, please help me, I'm struggling. Mm. But some people, their their self um, sort of their their self respect, yeah, exactly. They're, they're 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 they don't want you know, mm. they feel like their their dignity will, dignity will be taken away. And it's just everyone's and, different. You know, everyone, everyone has, has their, own, their own. Yeah. Um, and it's just uh, even in terms of, for example, even in in the way of giving, there's there's uh, there's injunctions where it says give, you know, um, quietly, so peacefully, hiddenly, like in in private, but also give in front of people. Why? Because when you're giving privately, it's because you don't want to have any arrogance and you don't want to, uh, you know, start to expect people's la- uh, like appreciation and whatnot and become mm. maybe develop some sort of arrogance or whatnot and then take away from the intention yeah. of doing it for the sake of God and helping your brother for the sake of God. Mm. But then also 
where it says jahran is where you you're doing it obviously why because then it's if it it's within a intention that you're trying to encourage your brothers yeah so if two brothers for example are, are rich and someone needs money and one one is sending in front of him 500 pounds with the intention that or however much she's sending with the intention that it will be a source of guidance or maybe not maybe a source of encouragement for his brother mm. then even that is so it just shows that everything is so complete and so mm. sort of rounded off um it, it just leaves you no no in all honestly yeah and i'm um, i think that it's it's just it's so easy to be kind it's harder to be angry like i i i, mm. I, I, I don't know I, maybe someone disagrees with me maybe they can call me and and tell me that but mm. i just think that it doesn't take too much to be kind like you know and the benefits are not just for the other person right they will be for you as well you will feel those benefits because when you're kind to someone when you see someone i feel like it's something innate within us because as islam teaches us you know with worship god and serve god and also you know serve humanity and i feel like it's something innate within us that when we do something for someone else the pleasure that we feel from doing that act or from helping someone especially when it's not like returning a favor it's just pure i think that the happiness and the contentment that you feel from that act of kindness i don't think is matchable or you know it's it's not possible to to match that feeling uh in any other way because when you can make someone else genuinely happy because of something that you chose to be kind about i think that's when you really truly and and, and i think that that's that's when you really truly uh feel fulfilled and content and i think that that's a core belief of islam as well i think that there's so many aspects to it if you look at for example um kindness to slaves as well or to maybe people that are under you or under your supervision that could be your children as well um we look at the prophet because well and truly it only that's what shows your true personality is when you have that restriction over someone mm. when you have that power it's how you treat them that shows your inequalities yeah. right so we see with the hazrat anas um and uh, he says that he was his help as well he says that i have i served allah's messenger for 10 years and he never said to me shame or why did you do such and such a thing or why did you not do such and such a thing 10 years hmm. and that's in bukhari one of the so the most reliable book of narrations yeah um it's it's it just shows that for, it just shows how vast and um how much love he had for the people as well yeah. we look at the way he treated children we look at the way he treated his elderly treated the elderly how he treated everyone it he always went above and beyond of and and we see, we think why would you do it and that's the thing you do it for the love and for the sake of god hmm. you know we, we see the holy prophet when when he was praying and uh, the the hajjat you know before the fajr azan and he's praying the voluntary and, prayers yeah, before yeah exactly so he's just praying and he was asked um why and he said uh, if you're guaranteed heaven or what now what why are you praying basically hmm. if god has you know god has promised you um and he said and this is his great he said should i not be grateful to the lord yeah that shows honestly 
Yeah, no, I, I think that uh, the example of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of God be upon him, um, is unrivaled and is such a perfect example that as you learn more, as you learn more about him and how he acted, I think you are left in awe, like my brother Osman just was, um, of of you know the completeness of of his personality, his acts, and you know it. it we just there's so many examples. I'm sure we're not going to cover them all, but we'll try to. Um, we we discussed about how um, in adversity um, or your adversaries, you know, there's some people that you shouldn't be. Um, kind to sorry you're going to say I was even going to say um, there's that narration where the Holy Prophet was was kissing a child and he said one of the, the Bedouins he was like oh we we don't kiss our children <laughs> why, why he said if, if God has taken away the, the mercy or the love from your heart what can I do mm. it just shows there were, and uh, there were costumes and things for example you know some, some tribes they would bury their, their kids alive they saw it as a source of shame mm. to have a daughter so yeah. when I mean kids I mean their daughters yeah so he came and was, it made big differences. I mean, one of the things that's often raises how, why didn't he come and completely abolish slavery, for example? I'm not trying to detract, but it kind of does link to this topic as well, where, for example, when Abraham Lincoln came, he did abolish it, but it was, it was spontaneous. It was at the time, it was instant. And what happened is it didn't manage to change the hearts of the people. Hmm. So what happened is, yes, you got rid of slavery in, in name, but in the hearts and the minds of people, they still saw other races as inferior. Whereas what the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, did, he, 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 he did it from many angles where he would encourage the slaves. There would be other things where he would say that now the punishment is you must free the slave. For example, if you've hit them, if, if you have a child with a slave, you must free them. It, it, and it is, So he used many methods where it changed the psyche and the mindset of the people around at that mm. time. And I think that's why if we see that when, when for example, Hazrat Bilal, he, he, him being a black uh, slave of um, Abyssinian uh, descent, he, after when, when, when he was freed, he was sitting just with the other people in the same, with the same rights and everything was the same. It wasn't an issue where, you know, for example, where, when we had that case where uh, black people aren't allowed to on the bus, for example, when, when mm. slavery was abolished, even mm. years after that. Mm. So what I mean is the way the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, uh, uh, sort of, uh, uh, went to these aspects or I wouldn't say attacked but the way he sort of tried to resolve these aspects was was full of such wisdom mm. and it was so complete that it just again it just leaves you know so the more you read and the more you learn about the prophet peace be upon him the more your love for him will increase yeah and I mean even there's so many aspects even for example you know looking after orphans yeah there's that it's uh, and then if we even if you look at the ground where it says even to your parents you shouldn't even say oof yeah, there are times. Yes, it's difficult. <laughs> we do slip up, but we need to make the effort. But especially as they're getting older, there are times. Then there will be things, mm. um, th- and even in terms of kindness, there's another aspect of it, which is equality, where sometimes there's the narration where uh, there was a prophet uh, by the name of Bashir, and um, he he approached the prophet uh, along with his son Noman. He said, "Will you please?" The, the, you said there was a prophet. Sorry, the, so the, there was a pro, the, the, there was a companion of the, the prophet, Bashir, yes, yeah. who approached the holy prophet, peace be upon him, along with his son Noman, and said, "So Bashir's son," and he said that, "Will you please be my witness that I have given one of my servants um, uh, as a gift to this son of mine?" 
the prof the prophet said what about your other sons have you given them a similar gift hmm. again there what happens nowadays is so when he said no the prophet said i cannot be witness to such an unjust act so even that is kindness where he's teaching hmm. that you must treat your children equally yeah so it's not to sow a seed of injustice or you know not feeling loved uh, yeah. and it's just it's so there's there's other parts where it says that um the Holy Prophet said for example the best dinar that one spends is is on his wife and his children so it's like he's yeah. he's attacking he's he's telling you to treat your family your your neighbors you know for example for the neighbors they say that the companions say that we thought he emphasized so much on it that we thought it might be part of our inheritance it might become part of our inheritance yeah um and then for example um in terms of his affection for children uh, once the grandsons of the holy prophet came to him uh, uh, came to see him he picked them up and kissed them and cuddled them affectionately affectionately and as i was saying the bedouin as i mentioned before so this now found the narration for it as well is a bedouin was watching him said o messenger of allah we have never shown such affection to our children like you have shown the prophet replied if you are deprived of love and mercy for your children what can i do and the incident also shows that the holy prophet was very kind and affectionate towards his grandchildren his children and also in a way to children of other people because he's teaching them yeah. how to look after their children as well no definitely and you know it's he's just a great example um you know as as we've discussed a bit with our guest as well is that um in adversity because that's when i think it's where people have the most objectives uh, uh objections sorry um to being kind to others um and so the holy prophet peace and blessing of allah be upon him displayed remarkable patience in that face of adversity you know never succumbing to discouragement or personal desires um under uh, until the age of 8 the prophet uh, was under the care of his grandfather and later his uncle despite uh, as he was uh, despite the natural affection shown by uh, Abu Talib uh, the prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him uh, experienced moments of uh, neglect from his uncle's wife yet he remained dignified and without resentment um i think that when it came to uh, the prophet peace and blessings of god be upon him he, when he faced a series of personal losses from the death of several children and his beloved wife khadija may god be pleased with her um to the loss of other wives and towards the end of his life his son ibrahim um despite these sorrows uh, he maintained unwavering resolve and a benevolent disposition never allowing personal grief to interfere with his commitment to humanity and the reason why that's so important is that we often let ourselves off we often say that um we you know i'm feeling a certain way or i don't uh you know i've been afflicted with something or you know i've got I've gone through something myself that's what is key is that um even in those times even in the most of difficult times right the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him um always maintain that kindness for everyone and to be honest i would say that there's an aspect where true kindness is in that difficult situation and yeah. true 
perseverance and actually showing patience. It's For easy example, to it's easy to be kind when you're in a good exactly. mood, right? Like it's yeah. easy, like you know, like you're in a good mood, you can be kind, or if you really like someone, you know, right, or you care mm. for them, it's in that moment where they, like you know, you have no knowledge of who they are, or or you know, you just plainly for the act. For of the kindness. sake of God, yeah. yeah. And he, for example, there's there's a saying where the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, says, if a young man honors an elderly on account of his age, Allah appoints someone to honor him in his old age. So there again, and, and then again, there's the there's the narration where it says no compassion. The one who has no compassion for our younger ones and does not recognize the rights of our elders is not of us. So again, it just shows how he is emphasizing these teachings and how there are many aspects to it where it's encouraging and then there's where he's encouraging you to do the right thing and then there, there's no this is wrong this is the punishment and then there's if you do this this is the the reward so it's like both aspects where it's showing he's telling you the 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 reward for it and the negative for not doing it mm-hmm. and it's not just him saying it there's many examples one example is when there there, there was an old lady who had a habit of throwing rubbish on the prophet uh, peace be upon him and when he whenever he passed her house and um, the Prophet would pass that ha- uh, house daily on the way to the mosque. Uh, even when the old woman threw rubbish on him, he would pass silently without showing any anger or annoyance. This was a regular daily event. On uh, One day, when the Prophet was passing by, the woman was not there to throw the rubbish. He stopped and asked the neighbor about her well-being. The neighbor informed the Prophet that she was sick in bed. The Prophet politely asked permission to visit the woman. When he entered the house, the woman thought he had come to take his revenge when she was unable to defend herself because of sickness. But the Prophet assured her that he had come to her not to take any revenge, but to see her and to look after her needs, as uh, it was the command of Allah that if anyone is sick, a a, a Muslim must visit him and should help him uh, if help is needed. The woman was greatly moved by the kindness and love, and by this example of the greatness of the Prophet, Peace be upon him. She understood that he must be truly guided and must be the true prophet of God and that Islam must be the true religion and she accepted Islam. Yeah, I, did, I, I love that. I like for, for me, I always think about that because imagine someone has so consistently been aggressive to you on a daily basis over a long period of time and when they don't do that usual aggression towards you your first thought is to go in and see how they are right like yeah. like think about that who 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 here these days is 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 thinking like that and i think that that's where the example of the holy prophet peace and blessings of god be upon him is is so special it's so unique that you know you can really learn so much and you know what? It goes hand in hand where it shows that our kindness and our acts aren't just limited to Muslims. Uh, 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 they're limited to every. They're not limited to just Muslims. They're they're just unlimited, and therefore every. So therefore everyone. It's not a case of as even um, Imam Khalid was mentioning as well that it's the sympathy and love and kindness towards everyone. And our um, caliph, uh, fifth caliph of the MD Muslim community, is only Lassad Mizamusul Ahmed. Um, may Allah be his helper. Um, 
he delivered an address to an audience on the 12th uh, in 2012 on the 19th of May in which he stated I should point out that here that neither the Holy Quran nor the Holy Prophet ever uh, ever claimed that he had been sent only as a mercy for, for the Muslims but instead his mercy and compassion extended to all humans a relative of differences of religion or belief and it just there's what another another way we can look at this sorry another aspect that I'm going to try and shift this to is the best way to see if something is successful is to look at its results so if or to see if it, to, to judge a tree we must see that the, the fruit it bears so if we look at the the companions of the holy prophet peace be upon him we have an example of of Hazrat uh, Abu Bakr when he became a caliph Hazrat Umar used to see him going in a direction different from his house and uh, one day, Hazrat Umar decided to follow him. Um, he saw Hazrat Abu Bakr visiting a house. He spent some time, and after the sun was up, he left the house. Um, Hazrat Umar, obviously, of course, he wanted to inspect the matter. So he knocked the door on the door, and an old lady opened up. She was old, fragile, and blind. He asked her, "What's that visitor coming to? Uh, what, what's that? Who's that visitor coming to you every day?" She said, "I don't know who he is. May Allah reward him. He cleans my house, sorts my clothes." And maybe he would cook some food for breakfast. Then he leaves. <laughs> Umar said, does he do this every day? She said, yes, every day. May Allah bless this man. And as Umar then goes, goes on to say, do you know who, who, who's, uh, who that man is? Uh, he is the caliph, Abu Bakr. So it just shows that the people, hmm. sorry, the, the followers of the Prophet, yep. peace be upon him, acted upon these injunctions and, and these injunctions were just limited to mere words they were mm. actually put into practice definitely um, but yes um, now we have our next caller on the line um, guest uh, uh, Imam Raja Burhan Sahib uh, Burhan Ahmed Sahib who's uh, also our teacher at Jamia MD UK um, so welcome Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu Assalamu alaikum I hope you're doing well today yes what about you people yeah. Very well, thank you. Very well. Okay. Um, so, so let's just kick it straight off. Um, how can the timeless teachings of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, on kind treatment be effectively conf- conveyed to the younger generation in today's society where distractions are sort of through the roof? Okay. I think the technique and the way uh, to teach something, something to the younger generation is the same one which has been practiced for a very long time. What I mean by that is, we need to remind them again and again, and we have to tell them the life and the character of the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, again and again. This is the only way forward. And when they realize with the passage of time that this is a character, this is the noble example, which uh, lived on the face of the earth 1400 years ago, but the basis of all the moral teachings which he practiced, they are still the same, and they have to be practiced in today's world and time as well. So, answer to your question is, we need to remind our younger generation, we need to tell our younger generation, like through this program as well, that this was the character and this was the personality of our beloved master, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. And following that character and that personality, we can live 
a happy and prosperous life. As I'm sure you're aware, social media plays a significant role in lives of today's youth. So how can the Prophet, peace be upon him, example, guide young individuals in utilizing social media platforms to promote kindness and positive interactions? I think as um, uh, His Holiness, Hazrat Mirza Masur Ahmad, the head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, he is guiding us that, for example, if um, social media is used by the younger generation, then the character and the personality of the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, should be uh, should be presented on the social media as well. So whenever our younger generation, they are using the social media, they come across that character of the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and they, then they follow that. And I think I must mention one more thing. My, my, personal, my personal idea is uh, social media is a thing which sometimes takes us away from our work, from our duties. And uh, this is the problem. And I must tell you that in every day and time, there were certain things we were, which were taking people away from their duties and their responsibilities. So social media, a kind of thing which is taking us away from our duties and responsibility has been here uh, in this world for a very long time. But as mentioned before, we need to utilize social media to teach the younger generation the character and the life of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. This is very important. And how can society balance being kind to all while setting healthy boundaries considering the influence of social media and constant digital interactions in line with the teachings of the Prophet, peace be upon him? Uh, there is a very famous saying in Arabic language that um, if you will put something uh, on a wrong place, on a wrong time, that thing will be a kind of punishment, a kind of uh, something wrong for you. I think this example can be learned and this example can be used for understanding uh, this point. You know, every individual, whether he or she is a five-year-old boy or girl, they understand one point, that if you will do something against their will, against their like and dislike, they will complain then and there. In the same way, if we can teach our younger, our younger generation that we demand rights for our own self, if we would like to have comfort for our own self, in the same way, this is what we learn from the life of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam since his birth till the end of his life. One thing which we learn from the life of the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he sacrificed his time, he sacrificed his relations, he sacrificed his wealth, he sacrificed everything for the sake of other people. I mean, look at the example of the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, a very famous incident when there was only one bowl of milk presented to the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And he knew at that time that there are some other companions uh, in Mosque Nabi and they are also hungry. So instead of drinking that milk, the Holy Prophet وسلم, called all the companions and very famously narrated that Hazrat Abu Huraira was also among one of those companions and he was also very hungry. 
But what happened that in that circle of hungry Sahaba, uh, Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was sitting in center, and Hazrat Abu Huraira was sitting on his left. And the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam started sharing that milk from his right side. And then and there it is narrated that Hazrat Abu Huraira realized that on one point that I am hungry. The second point is there are so many other Sahabas. And the last thing is that I am on the left side of the Holy Prophet There isn't any possibility that I'll have any milk to drink today. And on the other hand, look at the character of the Holy Prophet that he drinks that milk at the end of all the Sahabas, even after Hazrat Abu Huraira. So this is a very simple and very great example from the life of the Holy Prophet how he sacrificed small things and everything for other people. If we can teach these kind of examples from the life of the Holy Prophet to younger generation, that we need to be at last, we need to serve others, we need to help others, we need to leave our mobiles, we need to leave the social media and go to practical living people and teach them and help them, then inshallah our time will come and the time is there that people are learning about helping other people like our beloved master, the Holy Prophet of Islam, Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him did it in his life. The, the Prophet, of course, demonstrated kindness to all, including those with uh, differing beliefs. But how can we apply uh, apply this inclusive approach in a diverse and multicultural society? The simple thing, again, from the practical example of the Holy Prophet, وسلم, start from yourself, start from the, the people around you, on your workplace, in your street uh, where you are living, and um, in, in the town or in the city or in the country. And if you are using social media, you should be treating everybody equally on the social media as well. What, what I would like to say is that, for example, if there is a war going on in Israel and Palestine, and we, of course, we, we definitely we don't like that. We would like to have peace there. So this should not be the case with Israel and Palestine. This should be the case of war anywhere else in the world. If there is a war in Ukraine, if there is a war in Syria, if there is a war in any other country, then our instance, our role, our, our stand should be the same one, that we are standing for the peace as the Prophet of Islam, Prophet Muhammad wasallam, always stood for establishing peace in the society, locally, nationally, and internationally. So I think, as I mentioned at the beginning, and I think this is the key. key this 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 is this is something like a circle. We have to move in the circle again and again. We have to read the life of the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, again and again, and we have to learn from there that peace, harmony kindness and a very peaceful society can be established only by following his role, his examples and his teachings that we have to have peace for everyone in the world. Right. And 
I asked our previous guests as well, but what's one act of kindness that people can start doing today? Where should people start? I think you have reminded me that uh, the same incident which happened in the life of the Holy Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, we have to be truthful, hmm. and this is the key to success. If we are truthful, then all our bad habits will go away, yeah. and automatically uh, the peace will be established in the world. I mean, uh, you people are watching nowadays different edited. Um, audios and also the videos yeah, fake news yeah. when uh, uh, no when when the war started in ukraine the same political leaders were saying this is something very cruel this is something which has to be stopped but now when the war has started in palestine the same politicians are saying opposite of that although the similar kind of cruelty or in certain ways even worse cruelties are happening in palestine but they are they are saying nothing so i think we have to be truthful individually and that will take us to a peaceful and a prosperous society in this world and finally uh, as a teacher um what some acts of kindness that uh, you show students so that uh, you better foster uh, this 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 kind of question can only be asked by my ex student and i think uh, <laughs> the, my my answer my answer is very simple you know <laughs> in a in a week's time, the exams are starting in my institution, hmm. and the first thing which I can do for my student is, of course, I'm not going to tell them the paper, but yeah. I have to pray for them. Yes, and I I very humbly I would like to mention this thing uh, that um, being a teacher and and being a teacher in a religious institution, uh, the role of prayer is very important for all of us. That is what we learn from our teachers. And that is what we can teach our children. So the act of kindness from myself for my students, all students, whether those who are studying uh, right now or those I taught previously or I will teach in the future, uh, I I try to remember them in my prayers. Well, thank you very much. Um, that was Imam Raja Burhan Ahmed Saib, a teacher in Jamia, and always welcome. Jazakallah, assalamualaikum. <laughs> And an ex-teacher of mine as well. Um, again, <laughs> it's a pleasure as ever to speak with him. Um, I know we take are, you back. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I think another way he's actually been helpful is, uh, or shown kindness is by actually, pr- when he's teaching us, he's he's becoming a source of providing knowledge to the next generation. Mm. So that in itself, as a charity, is is a is a good act of kindness. Yeah. And that actually, before of course we are going to reach the end of the show, but that's yeah. also another aspect of kindness where I would say because kindness is such a vast word and there's so many aspects that can be included into it another aspect of that would actually be education as well we see in the example of in the life of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him where he said for example acquisition of knowledge is obligatory upon every Muslim male and female this again shows another aspect that knowledge and education is key that's the way we can prosper and it's key for both genders that again is an act of kindness where he's coming in a difficult time and he's changing the mindsets changing the views and yeah no thing is is that i think i feel like every part of the holy prophet muhammad um, peace and blessings of allah be upon him um life is an example and you know what it is is actually 
uh, as was mentioned by our ex-teacher as well, it's the Promise Messiah says, my own condition is such that there is not a single prayer of mine in which I do not pray for my friends, children, and wife. There, it, it just, it literally, it's the nail on, on, on the head where it says prayer. Yeah. Prayer is one of the kind, the best kind acts that you can commit. And it's something which everyone can do, yeah. regardless of status. Definitely. And that was the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, mm. right? Um, so we're coming to the end of the show. Um, we've discussed both food wastage and uh, the kindness of the Holy Prophet. Peace and blessings of God be upon him. Um, we've learned a lot. We hope that you have learned um, something about both topics. Um, we, The thing is, is that the life of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of God be upon him, it, there are so many examples in every aspect of his life that um, I encourage you uh, to learn more. You can get the resource of uh, Life of Muhammad, um, which is the book uh, on alislam.org. And um, yeah, I think that if you take anything away from today, I think that making sure that you show kindness to everyone um, in every capacity. Uh, and any final thoughts, Osman, before we... Just, just pray for your own self and for others as well to make that change and try and make one little change every day. Yeah, and um, we just want to thank uh, everyone who was involved in the show today, the tech team, Shayar, who has done a great job, and the producers who are Munahil Nasir and Kafia Ahmed and Aisha Malik. And uh, that's all we have time for today. And assalamu alaikum, peace and blessings of Allah be upon you.